0: back there, Doug. There we go. All right. Um, so, we are continuing the book of Luke, and this is the last week of this part of the book of Luke. Next week, we start the Christmas part of Luke, all right? We'll go back to chapter 1 and 2, um, but this week, we are finishing up in chapter 20 and 21, spending the most of the time in chapter 20. So, if you have your Bibles every week, say bring them, right? Bring them with you. If you have a Bible app on your phone or mobile device, um, open that right now to Luke chapter 20, and, uh, and we will dig into that in just a a moment um, as we get into that. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I heard a story this week about a guy. There's a godly man. He loved playing golf. Do we have any golfers? Anybody love playing golf? All right, just one person. All right, two people. So, so this doesn't apply to half of you or most of you in the room, but, but there's a guy. He loved golf so much that he was hoping so much that golf would be in heaven And so he loved it so much, he started praying, God, would you let me know, will there be golf in heaven? Please let me know. I want to know, when I get to heaven, will I be able to play golf every day? Because he's thinking heaven's going to be perfect, right? Perfect greens, perfect, um, you know, perfect hits. It's just going to be perfect golfing every single day. Until finally God said, I tell you what, go down and let this guy know. He's been praying all the time. And so he sends an angel to this guy. And and the angel shows up, and the guy's like, oh, he's like, oh my gosh. And he's like, and he says, I have a word for you. To, this, to this, uh, this gentleman. He said, just so you know, God's heard your prayers, and he want to let you know, yes, there is golf in heaven, and it is perfect. I mean, the fairways are perfect. The weather's perfect. Everything's perfect, and the guy's like, thank you. I was so much hoping because I enjoy golf so much, and he goes, and to let you know, you have a tea time on Thursday. <laughs> All right, we're talking about death. Everybody ready? <laughs> Uh, we're getting into it this morning. I tell you what, we're talking about heaven, right? Heaven, and, uh, and this morning's message is called Life in Heaven. That's, that's this morning's message, okay? And, and so we're digging into this, and, and there's lots of questions people have about heaven, right? Lots of people, you know, think about, they don't necessarily even talk about it that much. We don't talk about death all that much. It's not like, hey, it's dinner time. Hey, death, let's talk about it. You know, it's like we just don't normally talk about these kind of things because there's a lot of emotions attached to it. There's fear, there's sadness, there's all sorts of things attached to it. And today I'm hoping as a pastor to kind of shepherd our hearts through Scripture and that we can see what Jesus is going to teach in a moment. Because um, actually Benjamin Franklin actually had it pretty right in life. He said this, nothing is certain except death and taxes, right? Can I get him into that one, right? It's just like death and taxes. And the cool thing is in chapter 20, Jesus talks about death and taxes. <laughs> like, like that's what we're digging into in chapter 20 of the book of Luke. You know, there, there's lots of questions about, about it, uh, about these topics, and, uh, and some of you may have some questions, and I'll just say, let you know I'm not an expert in heaven and in hell and in afterlife. Like, I, I've studied it to the level that I can help shepherd people because that's a part of a pastor's role. Um, I do funerals, right? And unfortunately for me here at New Hope, I don't do a lot of funerals for people over 40. Most of them are situations that are difficult. Um, just because of our church and the life of our church and who comes to our church. And so I have to shepherd people through that. And so people have questions about death. Like, will there be dogs in heaven? The answer is yes. All right? just right? I'm just kidding. I don't know if it's not in the Bible. I know cats won't be for sure. I mean, that's not going to work. Um, <laughs> But anyway, we have all different kinds of questions like that, right? Like, like, well, well I see my pets, and we're not talking about those things, all right? We're, we're going to talk about what Jesus talks about in this passage, and and so that we can understand some of these key things and some some things that I think can give us hope about. Um, what's going on here in the scriptures? So, so let's dig into it. Let's hop into Luke chapter 20. Um, and we're at this point in the book of Luke uh, 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 that, that Jesus has already entered into Jerusalem for, um, for the week leading up to Passover, right? So this is like the final week before Friday, what we call Good Friday, right? That, that, that Friday for us was good, but it wasn't good for the disciples because that's the day Jesus was crucified. And Jesus knows that's where he's going. Like He, he knows in Jerusalem, this is ever, everything's getting ready for this moment. His disciples don't understand. People around don't understand. But that's what he's leading towards. And so we get to this moment in Luke chapter 20. Probably, scholars think it's like between like Tuesday and Wednesday of the month, or the week, I mean, leading up to that, that we're going to be reading of what's happening in this moment. Because we see there are religious leaders continue to do what they have been doing all throughout the book of Luke. They're trying to trip up Jesus. They're trying to, like, cause him to say something that would immediately let them kill him. Like, that's what they're looking for. They're they're trying to find reason to get rid of this troublemaker who's pushing against their religion and the things they believe when he is God himself in front of them. They're rejecting God right in front of them in this moment. I mean, can you imagine being there? But their hearts were hardened. Their religion was deep. And they were missing the kingdom of heaven, even though it was right in front of them they were missing it. And so in Luke chapter 20, we see these spiritual leaders or these religious leaders, um, the Pharisees, and we're going to see the Sadducees in just a minute. I'll explain who they are. Um, They're trying to trip up Jesus, so they're giving challenging questions, and they're like, they're trying to make him say something that would either, one of two things, would make it okay for the religious leaders to say, nope, that's blasphemous, and here's your punishment, and it's death, or to get him to say something political that would like raise up Caesar and raise up Rome and be like, no, he can't say that and do that. And then they would take care of it. They're trying to figure out any way to make this happen. And so they start challenging him. The first one that we see is, is that they're challenging him spiritually in the top of chapter 20 where they're saying, Who's, by whose authority are you doing this stuff? And they're trying to challenge his authority. And the cool thing is he kind of skids around the question. It doesn't directly answer, you know, and, and still they, they can't trip him up. And then, he, then they try to trip him up politically. And they're like, well, well, it, should, we, should we pay taxes? And so they're trying to make him say, you know, in our religion, no, we should only honor God. Because if he said that, that meant like, they'd be like, see, he's preaching against Rome. And they'd have a reason to, like, pull him and arrest him. And, or they're like, but if he says the other thing, like, then the religious would say, well, we have a reason. Because he's, he's, he's a Rome and He's against us. And so they're trying to trip him up. And so he says, I, uh, give me a coin real quick and they pick up a coin, and he says, whose image is on that, right? It's like Caesar. It's like, okay, we'll give to Caesar what's his, give to God what's his, and they're like, dang it. They keep trying to trip Jesus up, and just, you know, God can't be tricked, and so Jesus, being God, wasn't going to be tricked. Now, by the end of this week, he's going to be killed, but it's on his terms, not theirs. You with me? Okay, so, so here we are in this scene, in this tension, and they get to chapter, tw- or verse 27 in chapter 20, we're going to be spending our time today, okay, um, as, as we're digging into this, this uh, these, these two chapters. And, uh, and so let's hop into it, okay? Is everybody with me in chapter 20? If you are, say, yep. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. So this is another group of religious leaders. Right. You have the Pharisees. I've said a lot about the Pharisees, you know, and and the, the um, lawmakers, right, the, the the ones that were the religious legal, you know, council. And, and, but now you have the Sadducees. So who are the Sadducees? The Sadducees were another sect or group of religious leaders that didn't believe in the spirit realm. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe um, in heaven or hell. Uh, they, they, they didn't believe in a resurrection. Um, and and so they only kept to like the first four books of the Old Testament, and that's all they had. And they didn't accept anything else. They didn't have the Psalms. They didn't have any of the books of the prophecies, the prophets. They, didn't, they, they only kept to the—and they were very strict in that. But they were also very then liberal in their ideas of spiritual things. And so there—it's really interesting because they and the Pharisees didn't get along because they had differing views. But when it came to Jesus, they were on the same page. When you have the same enemy, you all of a sudden become buddies, right? And that's what the Sadducees now are coming, and they're trying to challenge him on the resurrection, even though they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe people get resurrected, and yet they're trying to challenge Jesus on this, and let's see if we can trip him up on this whole thing. Um, And if he gets it wrong, then, oh, we can nail him. We can nail him. And so here's what they're about to do, okay? So they came to Jesus with a question. And listen to the question. It's really Interesting. He says, "Teacher, they said Moses wrote." So they're going back to their part of the scriptures that they hold. Moses wrote <clears throat> for us that if man's if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. So it's, it was this whole law that, like, okay, if you got married, your husband died, you didn't have any kids, the next brother to that. So that that guy would have to marry her and then try to have a son. And the law was as if when she then bore a son or daughter, that that would actually be the kin of his brother, not his, so that his brother's name would continue on. It was a part of the law that they put into place. So he's like, so this is what we would do. This was the practice. Um, It's unfortunate you look in the Old Testament, like women back then were treated as property. It's really unfortunate. When you look back in history, you're like, wow, this is, kind of messy. I'm grateful that we see in the New Testament, Jesus kind of changed that whole pat- pattern and he actually raised up women in society and culture and treated them differently, right? So we see this tension as they're bringing this. So, so and, and they're just giving an example. So imagine this happens. And now there was seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. And then the same way, the seven uh, died, leaving no children okay, at this point, I wouldn't marry this woman, because you're wondering what's happening to all these guys, right? Like, (laughs) what kind of poison she put in her drink? Like, she didn't want to be part of this family to begin with, you know? Like, come on now, like, what's going on? So this is, they're just giving a hypothetical, all right? So this isn't a real story. They're giving this hypothetical, like, so this, by Moses' law, this is what would have to happen in this process with this poor woman, and then they get to the question. Finally, the woman died too. Well, she's like, I'm, I've had it now, you know? Like, Uh, Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were all married to her? Interesting question, right? It's like, okay, at the resurrection, if if they're all going to be in heaven together, well, which one in heaven is going to be her husband? Because she married all of them. And so they're trying to trick Jesus in this answer, even though they don't believe in the resurrection to begin with. They're just trying to find something to trip him up on. Or trying to prove a point like, see, because it doesn't work here on earth, it won't work in heaven, so there's no heaven, there's no resurrection. Like, they're trying to, like, argue and argue and argue. (laughs) Jesus is smarter, okay? And this, I want, I'm just going to read it. So Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. He says, But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive." Now, some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. like, "Uh uh-huh, because he just went, booyah. You think you know heaven, but you don't know heaven. Let me explain a little and teach y'all, right? That's what Jesus just did. They thought they knew, and they thought they were going to trip up Jesus, and then Jesus gives them an answer. The reality of what happens in heaven. And I want us to understand this picture for us, right? Because this is that tension for all of us. I'm pretty sure I saw the statistics. Ten out of ten people die. Did you know that? Wow. Like, we are all going to face it at one point. I would much rather face it knowing than not knowing, right? I'd rather get to that point in my life. And the reality is none of us know the end of our days. We don't. Like I said, most of the funerals I do are for 40 and under. Like, that's, woo, I'm telling you, all the funerals I've done um, every single time, it opens my eyes to eternity every single time. It makes me grateful for what we're going to share and talk about today. And that's what I'm hoping. This will give us some, some understanding and some hope and, some, and, and a clear vision of God's dream and God's call and what God has done and put together in heaven for all of us. So I've got three quick points this morning, okay? So if you've got your worship programs, there are three fill-in-the-blanks. And, um, and you can add notes to the bottom in that blank space if you want to as God kind of brings understanding or makes you um, just, that he might bring insight by the Holy Spirit in your life of, of some things. So, so let him do that. And I would encourage you to take notes. But we see this as Jesus answers. He talks about relationships, right? It's about marriage. Like, well, in heaven, it's not like that. Things are going to be different in eternity. And so I, I want you to write this down. In heaven, relationships will be different and better. In heaven, relationships will be different and better. He, he says to them, your argument is a, is a moot point. Like, there, you don't have an argument because in heaven, none of them will be married. Because marriage doesn't have to be a thing in heaven any longer. Like you think about the, the, at the very beginning uh, with Adam and Eve, they, they were married and then what was a couple of things that they did? One, they procreated. They made kids, right? And that was a way of populating the earth and that was a part of the call in the beginning was like, go populate the earth, go have babies, go. And that's the way we grow population is through, boop, I'm not gonna explain it. All right, so um, that's, that, is, that happens here on earth because it needs to happen. In heaven, there does not need to be procreation because once you're in heaven heaven's population is set you're not adding to heaven by having more and more babies because that happens here on earth He's like in heaven it's completely different the relationships are going to be different marriage is not going to need to be a thing any longer and for some of you thinking boy I'm glad that's the case right some of you are like I, I can't wait to get there that's <laughs> yeah no point no 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 elbows on that one all right I- no arguments on the way home But some of us are like, but that's a bummer because maybe you have a great marriage. You're like, but I'm not gonna be married to them. And so there might be a sense of, well, that kind of stinks actually because I love spending time with my wife or my husband or whatever it is, right? Like we love each other. Here's the thing. I want you to understand though, in heaven, it's gonna be different, but it's also gonna be better. Like those relationships are gonna be different and that's okay, but they're gonna be way better. Do you know why? There's no more sin. There's no more brokenness. There's no more hurting each other. Like all that's done. And so you don't have any of those tensions in relationships. You actually have this beautiful picture of relationships. Now let me talk to all the single folks in the room. Because we have a lot of single people here, whether you've always been single, whether you've been widowed, whatever that might be, I need you to understand some things in this for you. The world may tell you the end goal of happiness and joy is marriage. Those who are married will tell you the opposite. But that's what the world tells you. Right? That like that is the end goal. If you're married, you're satisfied, you're complete, but that's not God's end goal for you. That's not God's end goal for any of us. His end goal is Him, right? So if you're single, I need you to know, enjoy it. Like, don't feel like you're lesser than. Actually, in the kingdom of heaven, you are already prepared for what you're going to experience in heaven. That's awesome. So you get to practice more than those who are married. You get to practice in what it looks like to love each other, to be in community with each other, without all the complications of sex, of marriage, of the complications of in-laws, like all that stuff that comes into it. And, and I'm speaking truth. Am I, am I lying here? No? Like I'm speaking truth in this tension of this. And, and so often those of you who are single, you feel like you're lesser than, and you are not. You are not. Because that is not your end goal. Your end goal is Jesus, and in heaven, this picture that He says there will be no be marriage. We see all through the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, we see this in the New Testament though that the church is the bride of Christ, and Christ is the groom, and we are the bride. And one day there's going to be a party. The bride and groom will be together forever, and that image of marriage won't be us. It'll be us and our Savior together. We all get to be married to Jesus in the sense that we are now with Him forever, and so that image of marriage completely changes. And we get to be with Him. Isn't that good news, y'all? Like, that's heaven. In heaven, relationships will be different, and they'll be better. So if you had a great relationship here on earth, it's going to be even better in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. If you had a crappy relationship here on earth, and they get to heaven, you're going to have a better relationship with Him in heaven, right? You with me? Some of you don't want to meet some people in heaven. And just so you know, they're going to be there. (laughs) Because heaven, there's no favoritism, right? Right? relationships will be different, but they will be better. They will be even better. Are you with me? Is everybody with me? And so that's what Jesus is teaching. He's like, you can't think about it like you think about it here on earth. It's going to be different, but it is going to be better. It's going to be way better. All right. See, I'm cruising along. I mean, I got like 26 minutes, and I only have two more points. Isn't that cool? So here we go. Point number whatever this is, two. <clears throat> in heaven there will be no more death and we will be like the angels. These are the words of Jesus, right? Saying in heaven, like when we're with God forever, when we're in heaven, death is done. There's no more dying. It's finished at that moment. That's what he said in, in um. Where am I? At? In verse 36, he said, And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. Now, I don't want to confuse words here. And I don't want to upset anybody in this process, but I'm a truth speaker when it comes to God's word. Like, I want us to understand what happens when we die. Um, in this moment, when we die, we as humans don't become angels. Okay? Angels, from the beginning of creation, were created beings meaning there's a number of them, and God created all of them, and that number is set, okay? And, and so they're created beings, and then humans, us, we were created beings, right, from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, and then it started the process of procreation, and we all are created beings by God. And so we are created as separate beings. The one never becomes the other, okay? And, and so that's just the way we see it in Scripture, um, we also see angels. Um, angels are, are are always in scripture represented as men. They're they're, they're manly. They're masculine. They're actually warriors, right? And um, and so when you see the little cherub baby angel, like that's not a thing, all right. That's just art. Okay, that's just like somebody having fun. Um, uh, when you see it like uh, like a very female, feminine, like, uh, kind of a thing, like, that's, that's not biblical. That's not Scripture. And, and I get it. You know, you're going to see it a lot over Christmas. You're going to see trumpets with beautiful angels, all that kind of stuff. But when we see it in Scripture, we see angels are like they're warriors. They're 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 coming on a purpose that, that they're on mission and they're it's interesting to read scripture about angels and I'm, this isn't not all, I'm not sharing a whole doctrine of angels so maybe I'll just stop with this one but we we see that there are angels and their role is to serve us isn't that crazy to think about that's where the idea of kind of guardian angels come into play and there's scriptures that talk about angels with, with children like so again I'm not going to go into the doctrine of angels but what I do know is is this there's this image in um. In John chapter 11—am I getting ahead of myself? Let me see here real quick. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll stop. Okay, we'll go back to angels in just a minute, okay? I, but I want to talk about us, because what we get to experience in heaven, that we will no longer die, for, for we will be like the angels. We won't be angels, but we'll be like them. Why, how will we be like them? Because angels don't die. That's what he's saying. Angels are spiritual beings. They don't die. They don't procreate. We become like that when we enter into heaven, when we get into God's presence. That's what happens. This is a John 11, um, verses 25 through 26. Uh, and, and this is um, when Jesus was talking to La- uh, talking about Lazarus So this, Lazarus, Mary and Martha Were close friends with Jesus And if you don't know that story In this chapter it's their buddy, La- His buddy Lazarus dies And Mary and Martha are just weeping They are broken uh, the, the mourners come There's a whole group of people that were professional mourners That would mourn with people who lost people And they were mourning And then Jesus shows up And like you could have done something Jesus And he says oh I'm about to do something Right because in this moment, we see Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb. He's already in there. He's been in there a while. They're saying, don't open that. He stinks. Like, this is not good. Like, and they're saying, no, he's going to come out. This is the first mummy experience, all right? So like, he is wrapped in cloths and everything, and he comes back to life, and Jesus is showing them, listen, I am the one that keeps life and death. My heavenly Father is the one that controls life and death. He knows what's going on, and so he calls Lazarus. He raises from the dead. Now, here's the thing. Did he stay raised? No, he died again, right? <laughs> like, like it was temporary in that moment. He said, we, We're going to have you around for a little bit, but you're going to die again, and then you get to be in heaven, right? You, you get to be with, with well, Jesus says with me. And so Jesus said to her, He's trying to comfort, um, comfort them. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He paints this picture. I'm the resurrection. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will, say this with me, never die. That's what he's saying. He's like, once we're done on this earth and we are in God's presence, death is done because he's already conquered it. He's already died and he rose again, right? He conquered death and sin. He, he brought back to life so we can have life now and forever. That's what he did. And so Jesus gives us these promises. And when Christ returns, this is the good news, when Christ returns, we see this, and again, I'm telling you, I, I, I could have spent like a month studying this, and I had like two days, okay? So, but when Jesus returns, we're gonna have then glorified bodies. There will be a resurrection that will happen when Jesus comes back, and then he will glorify our bodies, and our bodies will be like his glorified body, Oh, who can... uh, Are you ready for that? Can I get an amen on that one? Because this is what he says in Philippians. Let's look in Philippians. We're going to a lot of passages. You can take notes here. Philippians um, chapter 3, verse 20 21. He says, But our citizenship is where? Say it with me. Is in heaven. Like, we think it's here on earth. We get confused sometimes when we try to make it earth, right? Even as Christians, like, we get confused about our citizenship. We want our loyalty to be on earth because we like some of the things on earth. And he says, But that's not us as Christians. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's, that's who we are. And we, are eagerly, uh, we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, that's going to happen, will transform our lowly bodies, these ones we live in now, so that we will be like His glorious body. We will be glorified in our bodies in the presence of Jesus. Woo! Everybody old in the room should have said amen right there, right? Can I tell you what? There'll be no more aching, no more sagging, no more hurting, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more acne, no more hemorrhoids, praise Jesus, no more bunions, no more bad eyes, no more arthritis, no more hair loss, all right? No more infomercials. They're not needed. Why? Because we get to live in glorified bodies before God and perfected in his presence for eternity. Isn't that good news? Death is done. Glorified bodies can't wait for that day. I'm getting older. Things are changing. Those of you who are young, I don't, see, some people ask the question, well, when we get to heaven, like, what age will we be when we're in heaven? I don't have that answer. I, I, I just don't, okay? My hope is, like, 27, like, 26, like, right? Like, like, that's where we hang out, right in that world. You know, it's like, yeah, that's the body I liked. You know, that's the one that did what I wanted to, I wanted to do with it. You know, I could eat Doritos and feel fantastic and drink Mountain Dew. Can't do that anymore. Right? Things change. I don't think that just so you know the final feast isn't gonna be Doritos and and Mountain Dew. This, if you were wondering, I just don't know if they'll be there. In heaven, there will be no more death, and we will be like the angels. That should give us hope and encouragement, right? That it's gonna be different, and 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 God is making it different. All right, point three. See, I'm flying through these. in heaven and this is a big question a lot of people have in heaven you will know and recognize people you will know and recognize people now now how can we know that well he Jesus just said it right he he was he was trying to push against the sadducées who were saying there is no resurrection right he's like guys y- First off, there is a resurrection, and here's what it's going to be like in heaven. This is what eternity is going to be like. And uh, and just so you know, that the resurrection doesn't mean there's non-existence. See, all, There's a lot of religions out there, and they all believe different things about what happens to you after you die, right? Some some Buddhist, that kind of stuff, that you're either reincarnated, you know, into something else, so you lose your identity and you become a cricket, or whatever it is, right? Or... Some people think when you go into the ground, that's it. You just, you just go back to the Earth because you came from the Earth, and that, so that's it. It's non-existence, basically at that point. Um, there's all sorts of beliefs, but the reality is, no, we're going to know each other and we're going to be known with our identity intact. And Jesus says to them, "Listen, even Moses, because he goes back to the books that they actually read in the Bible and says, "Okay, let's go back to Moses, because Moses, when he calls God, he just doesn't call him the God of like nobody. He says, no, this is the God of, of, he calls him the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's like, they're all dead, but they're not, they're alive. He's like, God is the God of the living. And so Abraham still has his identity, has who he was, Isaac, Jacob. They all are the same people in heaven as they were here on earth. We see that our identities don't disappear, and we just don't become this, like, ah, and, like, I don't know who you are, but welcome, hey! You know, like, that's not what's going to happen. We will recognize each other, and, um, and our names and our identities will be intact in heaven. And the good news is our relationships will be different, but they'll be better, right? So if you knew somebody on earth, it's going to be so much better in heaven, knowing them in heaven, Right? because of what heaven is and what God has done in heaven. There's this image, and this is what I want to give us some hope and encouragement. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but in Luke chapter 16, we, you know, we kind of went through Luke 15 and 16, and I spent most of the time on on Luke 15, which was, you know, God loves lost things, lost people, right? That was Luke 15. We see in Luke 16, then Jesus teaching on an image of heaven and hell, and he goes pretty deep on it. Like, he, he gives a picture. And some people are like, well, that was just a parable. But it, he didn't say it was a parable. He just started sharing. And he shared a story about um, Lazarus. Now, this is a different Lazarus, okay? This isn't the Lazarus that rose again. This is a—I di- don't know who this Lazarus— because this Lazarus was a beggar um, and, uh, and didn't have much in this world. And, and it says, you know, that he died. And then there's this rich guy, this really rich guy, had everything in the world— and he died, and they both died, because everybody does. And it gives this image that the, the rich man went into Hades. And, and I'll, I, I, let me just re- read what it says. I think I have it up here. Let me see if I have it up here. No, I don't. Um, but this is what it says in Luke 16, verse 22. And this is the encouragement I want to give you. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're never alone. She so said, The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. That's a comforting verse to me. You know, like when we when we end this life here, it's not loneliness. Like this imagery that Jesus has given us is like we're we're ushered into heaven by angels, y'all. Amen. Like like they they say, "Yeah, you're you're with us. Let's go." And, and I take comfort in that. It's knowing, like, you don't have to be afraid. You, you get to—it's the first time you get to hang out with some angels. <laughs> I mean, if you meet an angel before that, please let me know. Like, I want to know that story, right? Like, but I'm pretty sure from all of us in room, that's going to be the first time we get to hang out with angels. And they lead us to Abraham's side, it says, to, to heaven, to paradise. And in that moment, we are still us. We've seen this story that that— that the rich man was calling out in the chasm between, which that this whole image, right? Like it's really complicated for us. We don't understand how exactly it works. How does how does Hades? How does paradise? How does heaven? How like what does that look like? And but in this image, they're talking to each other. And the the, the guy that is separated from heaven, he's calling out saying, please send somebody to go tell my brothers, my family who are still on earth. And that gives us the image that he still knew who he was, and he still knew know who's on earth, right? Their identities are intact in eternity. And so in this moment, we see this interchange. And, um, and Abraham says to him, like, listen, they have the law and the prophets. They have God's word. They have people already telling them about it. It's up to them whether they reject it or not. And that's, that's all our condition. That's us here on earth. God has given us everything we need to come to knowledge and salvation through Jesus Christ. But it's still on each and every single one of us by free will to choose. Where are we going to go? What's going to happen after this life? That's free will. And that's what he gives us. But I need you to understand that in heaven, we will know and recognize people. We will know and recognize each other. And for some of you, you can't wait for that moment, right? That, that is a sense of comfort to know, I'm going to know, I, I can't wait to see those I loved up hanging out with them again, right? Some of you are like, and when I get to heaven, if I see somebody I didn't like on earth, ah, <laughs> oh, dang it, right? And that's our human judgment, right? That, that's our favoritism, like who should get in and who shouldn't. Like our judgment is so weak, y'all. God's judgment is perfect. And salvation is in his hands, not ours. We don't get to choose who gets saved and who doesn't, right? That's not on us. It's our job to present the gospel as Christ followers, to represent heaven, to be, to be citizens of heaven here while we're on this earth, to represent heaven while we're on this earth. That, that's our role as Christ followers. Because I tell you, I want to have as many parties as possible in heaven. And I want to be a party maker in heaven, right? And I want all of us to be party makers in heaven, sharing the truth of the gospel and so today, you know, as I'm talking about this topic, um, today, I, my, my heartbeat isn't to cause fear in any of us, but hopefully to give us comfort. But for some of this room, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know this Jesus and what he's done for you. You, you don't understand what happens at the end. Um, there are two eternities— And one is with God in heaven forever, and one is separated from Him, and ultimately in hell separated forever. Those are the two things that will happen in the end of time. And I'd rather be in a resurrected, glorified body in the presence of a heavenly Father who paid the price for me to be with Him than to be separated from Him because of my own pride and the decisions I made while I was on this earth. And so, lovingly today, I'm inviting you. If you don't know God, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have a relationship, if you've not confessed in your own mouth, just so you know, there are. <clears> How <throat> do I don't want to say this? Um, you can't get into heaven on the uh, grabbing the shoelaces of a family member. Meaning, your faith is your own faith. It's nobody else's. So even if you grew up in church and you're like, yeah, I kind of know this thing. I mean, my parents taught me it. But it's never been yours. Then you don't know. You have to make it your own. Your own faith. Your own confession of who Jesus is. Your own confession of the gospel. Your own confession that I believe Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on that cross, he paid for my sin. That was not an easy cost for the Son of God and our Heavenly Father. That was the moment when the Son of God was separated from the presence of His Heavenly Father. The only moment. And He took and bore all of our sin on Him on that cross. That's what He did for us. So that we didn't have to hang on that cross for our own sins, because we can't pay for our own sins. So God sent His Son down to pay for our sins, because He wanted to be with us so that we could be made right, and we can have His righteousness three days later, man, Sunday came around. He was in the tomb, and that tomb opened up, and it was empty. I'm telling you, you go around this whole planet, you can find the bones of every other religious leader that's ever walked this planet, but you will not find the bones of Jesus because he is alive. He conquered death, and that's what he's saying. That's what we just read. He conquered death that we can have life forever. And be as him in his glorified body. We can be, have glorified bodies that we can be as like the angels. No more death, no more sin, no more brokenness. That's what we see in Revelation. In the end of all things. The old is gone, the new has come. Eternity in his presence, perfected. His dream of what was in the garden. Perfect relationship with each other and perfect relationship with our heavenly father gets put back into place with a new earth and a new heaven and we get to reign with him forever. That is the end. The question is, where will you be in the end? And only you can answer that question. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to walk us through something here in a moment. And we're going to respond. So let's pray. Let's take this moment. God, as we pray, um, and as we take this moment, just to process your teaching, uh, I'm going to ask, Holy Spirit, would you do what I cannot do? I cannot change anybody. I can't force anybody to think things. I can't. That's not me. God, only you can move in the hearts of each man and woman in this room. And so I'm praying, Holy Spirit, would you just work in this moment for each of us <clears throat> that we would hear what you want us to hear. And God, for those that don't know you yet, that they would come to know you today. That they could have an assuredness in their faith. That they can be with you forever and not fear death because it's temporary and they can have life for eternity. I want to read you a couple more passages. In John chapter 5, verse 24. Uh, this is the words of Jesus and he says this. He says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but as crossed over from death to life. Jesus did it. If you believe in him, is what he's saying, believe in Jesus Christ, put your faith and trust in him. Salvation is only through the person of Jesus Christ. It's not your good works. It's not you being good enough. There's no karma here. Like, it's not like I'm going to get good enough to get to heaven. It doesn't work. We're never going to be good enough. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short, every single one of us, from the least to the greatest, from the one that does the most devotions in the mornings to the one that's never done it in their life. It doesn't matter. We will never deserve and get to heaven on our own accord. It's only when we believe in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, And I I use this when I preach in in, in funerals all the time. John chapter 14, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's trying to get them ready for his death and resurrection, and they're still not getting it. But he's teaching, said, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to prepare places for you all, and it's going to be awesome. Like, I wouldn't tell you if my my heavenly father wasn't doing it. I'm doing it. We're doing it. And I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get you and so that we can go to that prepared place. And Thomas, poor Thomas, he gets called Doubting Thomas. That's the label he was given then, right, later on. Thomas said to him, Lord, but we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Like, you're talking about this place, you're talking about heaven, You're talking about, but how do we get there? And this is what Jesus answered. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, then you'll know my Father as well. Jesus made it very clear. There's no way to the Father except through him. He's the only way. And so today, if you don't know him, you don't know what's happening when you die. Today, you can leave this morning, whether here, those of you online, with an assuredness of where you'll be. And all you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for you. And ask for forgiveness of sins, and you can be with him forever. So if that's you today, we're going to pray right this minute. Let's just take that moment. If you want to pray and you want to enter into that kingdom of heaven, if you want to be a part of what's happening at the end of the world, the end of our lives, and you want to be in heaven forever, I'm going to say start it today. I I always say there's no magical prayer of the pastor. I'm no closer to Jesus than you are, okay? I'm a sinner who found the Savior, and I want to lead you to him. That's it. But it's got to be your own confession, your own words. So if that's you today, right now, I want you to pray this... And you can pray it out loud wherever you are. You can say, God, please forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner and not right before you. And when I die, God, I don't want to be separated from you. I want to be with you forever. So I'm confessing that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for my sins, and that he rose again and is alive today, and that I can have life in him today, now and forever. So I give you my life. Here I am. Give me your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you now and forever to see heaven more and more in my life every day. I give you everything. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. And God, for all of us in this room, those of us who are Christians in this room, God, who already know you, so often we need to be reminded where our citizenship is. Especially in a season like Christmas, which is so crazy because we get so consumeristic and we get so busy, we get so distracted. And in the season, help us to just not, because that confuses our citizenship. We think it's here on earth and all the busyness and the crazy. And we are sons and daughters of heaven. And we know what it costs for us to have that. And so, God, as we respond and worship in a moment, as we sing about what you did for us through Jesus. Just open our hearts with the, just a, a huge amount of thankfulness for the work of the cross, the power of the empty tomb, and that we can have life in eternity with you, with no more death, no more brokenness, no more sin, no more hurting, no more pain, no more cancer, no more any of those things that are on this cursed earth. But in perfection with you forever, we praise you for it, God. So just.